the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program is sponsored by Ron Geyer Roofing. The Bible describes events that will mark the last days, or end times. 2 Timothy 3.1 says, This know also, that in the last days perilous times shall come. Matthew 24.44 tells us, Therefore you must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour when you do not expect Him. Bible teacher Ron Geyer leads us through Scripture that will help us to remain strong in the Lord. End Time Insights with Bible teacher Ron Geyer starts now. Hi, family. Ron Geyer, End Time Insights. Thanks again for tuning in. Continuing in our lesson, we're talking about sin, and we've really been pounding it in that the sin problem has already been dealt with by the Lord, your Lord, hopefully, Jesus Christ. Matthew one i I've got it right here. And she, Mary, shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. That is why Jesus came to the earth. That was his assignment, to save us from our sin. If he came to the earth to save us from our sin, and he is the Lord Jesus, the author of creation, the name that's above every other name, you can take it to the bank that he has already saved us from our sin. That's been dealt with on the cross right before he died. He said, it is finished. What's finished? His work of salvation. He has saved us. You're not saved from yourself. I heard that the other day in the radio. God help us. You're in the churches. I heard that. You're not saved from yourself. You are not saved from hell. You are saved from your sin. Okay. We left off in second Thessalonians two, three, let no man deceive you by any means for that day shall not come. Talking about the rapture, except there come a falling away first, and the man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition. They even call him the man of sin, who? The Antichrist, the spirit of Antichrist. Hallelujah. And so, the seriousness of what is about to happen hit home. The anti-God spirit here, it's the man of sin, and he's being held back until the Holy Spirit and the church are taken out of the earth. Then he's coming in full force. Like we said, there's no need for him to come, because sin has been defeated. If the church would preach it boldly and unashamedly and every time and everywhere and every Sunday, Wednesday, Thursday, if we would announce that mankind is a sinner, sin has been defeated, all you must do is announce that and let people respond to that. That's the act of being saved, being born again. You respond to the truth that you are a sinner. Jesus died for your sin and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, thou shalt be saved. The Holy Spirit will be sent. He will produce in you a spirit that is once more alive to the things of God. You will be born again. Your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life, and you will live with the family of God in the presence of God for eternity. Hallelujah. But let me explain something about that verse to you here. Let no man deceive you. Paul is telling the Thessalonians, let no man deceive you by any means. He's saying, don't let anybody lie to you. Don't let anybody keep the truth from you. Anyway, 
by every means, by any means. I don't care what form it is. I don't care who's doing it. I don't care where or how it's being done. Do not let any man deceive you. Yet that verse begins with a stern warning. That means that you have power. Anytime you see the word let in the Bible, what comes after it is something you have authority over. It's something you have the power to do. Amen. Right? Let us pray. You have the power to pray. Amen. Let us come before him with thanksgiving. You have the power to give thanks. Let no man deceive you. You have the power not to let people deceive you. To let people not deceive you. Paul is writing concerning end time events to the saints here. And he sternly tells them that people are going to be trying to deceive you. But look at the language. Let no man. Satan is the deceiver. But here he tells us man will try to deceive us. This isn't from Satan. This is from man. You got to be careful. Unfortunately, many of those men are in the church. But that word let, it's a power word. You don't have to be deceived. Anything that comes after that word let is within your power to accomplish. Paul charges the saints, don't allow anyone to deceive you. Unfortunately, sadly, many in our pulpits are doing exactly that. They tell us nice stories and they tell us they love us so they don't wish to make life harder for us by telling us that we're sinners. But you need to know that you're a sinner. Jesus knew it. That's why he put it in the gospel. I am fearful what's going to happen to these people, not only who are preaching false, who are refusing, taking the hard parts out of the gospel, but what about all the millions of people that follow them? It's not love when they refuse to tell you that. That's not truth. It's got to be the love and it's got to be the truth. It's neither love nor truth. It has no place coming from God's pulpit. And the people who speak this pagan doctrine don't belong in that pulpit either. Okay, let's review. Jesus came to save people from their sin. That's finished. It's done. He did just that. People don't have to live in sin. God established preaching to send the message to the world. Jesus died for your sin. That's the message. He came to give you life. The church, the preachers in the church, the church announces that to the world. He has destroyed the work of Satan, keeping you in your sin. That's the gospel. In addition to that, God built his church to house those and to use those who have been freed from their sin. He sent his Holy Spirit to live inside those to help keep them free and empower them to tell others to be witnesses to Jesus who set them free. By refusing to call man the sinner that he is, the sinful world is missing the conviction, the work of God's Holy Spirit. It's an ongoing process. It's all been set up to work perfectly. But man, man's got involved. He's got his filthy fingers, his dirty mind, his prideful heart involved in it. We've switched it. We've cut it short. We've dissected it. We've changed it around. We've left parts out. We've added other parts. And it's become a mess. Go back to the gospel. Go back to what's been written. By refusing to call man the sinner that he is, the sinful world is missing the work of the Holy Spirit. You know, in America, there's a church on every corner. Not too many people haven't heard about Jesus Christ. What the church's refusal to tell mankind that they are sinners has done is to make the focus of the gospel, which is Jesus, irrelevant. Yes, the world isn't making Jesus irrelevant. Preachers in the pulpit who refuse to preach the whole gospel, these are the ones who are making Jesus irrelevant. The true gospels 
are making Jesus something like an afterthought, another option, like Krishna or yoga or, as it is, mankind themselves. Preachers telling us God isn't sovereign. Preachers neglecting to tell us why Jesus came. Preachers even going so far now as to deny Jesus' sinful life, his virgin birth, his resurrection. That's right. Remember, why did Jesus come to earth? To save mankind from their sin. But if we refuse to tell mankind everything, they have no understanding of their need for him. And he just becomes another one of life's options for a better life now. Jesus loves you has no power. That message lacks the convicting work of the Holy Spirit of God, who is sent to partner with the preaching of the gospel. It's how God uses both man and spirit in divine partnership. The convicting work of the Holy Spirit towards man's sin works hand in hand with the preaching, the message that Christ has paid the penalty for that sin. They work as a team. It's the way God set it up. We preach the gospel, include the truth that mankind is a sinner, and the Holy Spirit does the work in the hearts of man. But men, we know better. In essence, we have removed the Holy Spirit from the gospel by the way that we tell it. That has resulted in removing the Holy Spirit from our churches as well. Now, even the church, as well as the world, is full of active sinners who refuse to allow Jesus his lordship over their lives. Philippians three seventeen nineteen, Brethren, be followers together of me and mark them which walk so as you have us as an example. He goes, live the way I'm living. Follow me. Follow those who are walking and following me. We teach you the gospel. Don't change it. It will produce fruit in your life. Live like I am living. For many walk of whom I have told you often and now tell you even weeping that they are enemies of the cross of Christ. He was talking about the Judaizers there. He was talking about others that were saying that, well, since you're saved, uh, don't worry about your flesh. It's almost like the deeds of the Nicolaitans. And the Judaizers, they were telling people that you need more than Christ. Most of the people that were saved back in these days were Jews. They were coming out of Jewry, and the Jews were jealous of them, so they were saying, no, it's not Christ alone. You need to add something to it. And they were trying to get them to add the law, the circumcision. They were trying to tell them you need to keep the festivals, all of this. They were adding to the gospel. It wasn't good enough for them that grace had brought Christ, and that was all that was needed, faith in Christ for salvation. No, the Judaizers changed it. Today's temptation for the modern day Christian is to take the easy way out. Man's ways lead to a hopeless end. God's ways lead to endless hope. I love that. Unfortunately, it's a hard road and it's a difficult road. It's clearly marked, but it's a road that is narrow and it requires obedience Marked obedience. The easy road is the road of sin. Uh, It's difficult to live a spiritual existence in a carnal environment, yet that's what Jesus said that we must do regarding temptation. We're avoiding sin. When you get born again, the Holy Spirit, he reveals the temptation to you and he keeps you from sin, but you still are a free will agent, free will being, and you can always decide which road you are going to walk on. Matthew seven fourteen in the Amplified. But small is the gate and narrow and difficult to travel is the path that leads the way to everlasting life. And there's only a few that find it. I say that scripture because I've heard preachers say that, yeah, most of the people in the earth today, they're going to get saved. That's just not true. I believe Jesus, Matthew seven fourteen. Few there be that find it. The Greek 
word here for narrow is stenos, S-T-E-N-O-S, stenos, and it comes with the idea of something that's restricting, that causes difficulty. It implies a groaning effort. Alan Carr, it is impossible to take the wrong road and go to heaven, and it is impossible to take the heavenly road and go to hell. Luke 13, 24, strive to enter in at the straight gate, for many, I say unto you, will seek to enter in and shall not be able to enter in. Here, the Greek word for strive is agonizomai. And yes, it means it will take an agonizing effort to remain on this road. Don't forget, <laughs> this lesson's all about the fact that sin has been defeated. Jesus dealt with the sin question. You shouldn't be struggling. Once you get saved, you've got the life of God inside you. You've got the name of Jesus. You've got the word of God. You've got the armor of God. You've got the Holy Spirit of God inside you. You've got prayer. You've got the fellowship of the believers. Hallelujah. You are so well equipped to withstand sin's evil. You don't have to fight for the sin to be victorious. You just have to appropriate the promises, the victory that Jesus got for you. James 1, 14 and 15. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust has conceived, it brings forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, brings forth death. I believe the church could do a much better job about warning us away from temptation. I don't know if we truly know how to avoid temptation. We're not being trained in these things. We don't talk about sin. Therefore, we rarely talk about temptation. It's closely associated with the S word, sin, so it gets neglected. J.C. Ryle, one of my favorite old-time preachers, let us beware of making light of temptation because they seem little, the temptations, and they seem insignificant. There is nothing little that concerns our souls. That is so fabulous. Basically, he says, don't ignore temptation. Don't ignore talking about temptation. Don't ignore it as if it's something lesser than sin or lesser than uh, some of the other Bible principles. Why? There is nothing small that concerns our soul. You are in a fight to the death for your soul. Remember, both Jesus and Satan are after it. You decide who gets it. Dr. J. Wilbur Chapman, temptation, this is great, temptation is the tempter looking through the keyhole into the room where you're living. Sin is you drawing back the bolt and making it possible for him to enter. Is that rich? Temptation is the tempter looking through the keyhole into the room where you're living. Sin is you drawing back the bolt and making it possible for him to enter. One last quotation, this is by F.P. Wood. Wisely, he instructs us regarding the value of temptations when he says, temptation isn't sin, it is the call to battle. Oh, I love it. Here it is. When temptation comes, you have the option. You can give in and sin, or you can fight. And that's what he's saying. When temptation comes, it's not sin. Don't look at it as sin. Don't look at it as something that's going to take you away. It is a call for the Christian to battle. I love these old-time preachers, man. They were great. They got it. They took their salvation seriously. Hebrews 3.13, But exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Sin deceives you, man. That's what we're doing today. We are exhorting you. We pray for you. We teach you. We warn you. We prepare you. Our prayer gang, we're concerned for your souls. We aren't scared to tell the sinner he's a sinner. Neither are we hesitant to call each other out. Well, why not? Because sin is tricky. It's a deceiver. It's deceitful. 
It doesn't announce itself as sin. It ambushes you. If you aren't on top of your game, you will get ambushed. By that I mean if you aren't daily reading and obeying your Bible, if you aren't having spiritual conversations with your brothers and sisters in Christ. I have people that talk to me about spiritual things all day long. They go out and they study the Bible and they'll send me scriptures. They'll send me quotes. They'll ask questions. They'll send me their revelations. I love it. I love it. I love it. I am surrounded in the Word of God, my wife and I. My wife is great. I don't watch the TV about news or anything anymore. And yet she'll catch me up on what's going on. The Supreme Court just... Uh, overturn the government's decision to rule on Roe v. Wade. I go, I love it. Thank you, Jesus. Ron, the government just went ahead and let that pastor who was praying in the baseball field, they said his firing was unconstitutional. She keeps me abreast of this stuff. We pray about it. We share the victories and we apply the scriptures to it. And it's so fabulous to see God moving. It is great. It is great. It is great. When I say Sim ambushes you, I mean that you're open to it and you need to guard yourself and that's where the word of God comes in. If you aren't feeding on the word of God, sin's going to find you out. John MacArthur has a great quote. Uh, I'm going to paraphrase it. Let's see. Uh, Before I was saved, okay, I got it. Before I was saved, I hunted down sin. Now that I'm saved, sin hunts me down. And it's so true. I don't run after sin anymore, but now that I'm saved, sin runs after me. Revelation 18.23. And the light of a candle shall shine no more at all in thee. Talking about Babylon, the light of a candle shall shine no more at all in thee. Babylon has just been destroyed. The light of the candle shall shine no more at all in thee. And the voice of the bridegroom and the voice of the bride shall be heard no more at all in thee. Why? For thy merchants were the great men of the earth. For by thy sorceries were all nations deceived. Look at what sin did. Remember, I told you sin is deceitful. We just read it in Hebrews. Don't be led astray by the deceitfulness of sin. Don't let your heart be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. And right here we see that Satan's sorceries deceived all people. Sin is tricky. We are still living in the present, you and I. We're also looking ahead, I hope. But this verse gives a look back at the destruction sin has caused in Revelation. Sin It looks and it deceives and it causes our hearts to be hardened. We wink at it and we get calloused. We get calloused. You know, we hang out. We become, Spurgeon talks about, we become familiar with sin and that causes us to be calloused to it. You know, the games, the video games our young kids are playing, the pornography that our adults are watching on the internet, all these time and time again, they harden our hearts. They remove our sensibilities to truth and we fall for other this stuff. And yet here we are. Notice all nations in that scripture. That includes Israel. Oh, wow. That also includes America. It says that all nations were deceived. That's what's going to happen at the end days in the book of Revelation. All nations will be deceived. America will be deceived. America is deceived right now, my brothers and sisters. And we won't preach against sin. I just, I just don't understand that. I don't get it. You know, the only thing that's left for me to say is it's since Satan is trying to hide the fact that America needs a savior, that people need a savior, we have fallen for his deception in the pulpit. And that's a shame. 
That's a shame. The Bible says the servant of the Lord must not strive, but must be kind, gentle, apt to teach, and meekness, instructing others so that perhaps God would grant them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth. And here's the key, that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the enemy who holds them captive to do his will. Sin is deceptive. Remember, it talks about, that's written to his saints, written to the church, by the way. Servant of the Lord must not strive, but he must be kind. Right? After teach, instructing others who were opposing themselves. You would think, well, that's just ungodly people. Well, if it's ungodly people, then why does he say at the end that they may recover, recover, recover? They had been set free at one point. Now they're being held by the devil to do his will. They had been free, but now they need to recover their freedom because they're Christians and they are working for the devil at Satan's behest. That is just terrible. And we won't tell the world that their sin has been paid for. We won't tell the world that they're sinners. I just don't get it. Revelation 19.20. And the beast was taken, and with him the false prophet that wrought miracles before him, with which he deceived them that had received the mark of the beast. The people at the end time are going to receive the mark of the beast. Why? Because they were deceived. How were they deceived? They did not hear that they were a sinner. They did not know they needed a savior. They did not know that the sin had been dealt with, that they could have walked in freedom, that they could have walked in victory. They did not have to walk in bondage. I want to preach one more scripture on this about the sin that we're not talking about. And this is such a great, great lesson. It's such a great verse. There's two verses. Let's start with Romans 11, 21 and 22. For if God spared not the natural branches, take heed lest he also spare not thee. Behold, therefore, the goodness and the severity of God on them which fell severity, yes, but toward thee the Gentiles' goodness. If thou continue in his goodness, otherwise thou also shall be cut off. Remember, the Jews, right? They were cut off because of their unbelief. They had a hard heart of unbelief. Sin had deceived them, and they did not believe that Jesus Christ was their Messiah. And so they played their part in killing the Messiah. And throughout the ages, they have rejected Jesus as their Messiah. And God said the Jews were the natural branches. Remember, Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Well, if God spared not the natural branches, the Jew, take heed, we're being warned by uh, the writer of Romans, Paul, take heed lest he also spare not thee. Okay, and now he's going to explain something. This is fascinating. Behold, that means wow. Wow. Therefore, the goodness and the severity of God, two aspects of God, his goodness and the severity. On them which fell, he was very severe. Yes, the Jews. He was very severe. His punishment was severe. When you reject God, punishment is harsh. Just get that settled. He's not this lovey, ooey, gooey, goppy type of God that overlooks everything. He is a God that expects us to obey his word. Even his children know, especially his children, we need to obey his word. Behold, therefore, the goodness and the severity of God on them which fell severity, but towards you goodness, the Gentiles, towards you goodness, if, if, if thou continue in his goodness, otherwise, if you don't continue in his goodness, you also shall be cut off. Now, the fact that Jesus, <laughs> Matthew one twenty one, and he shall bring forth a son, for he shall save his people from their sins. Done deed, already been done. 
Paul is writing after that fact, and he's writing to the Gentiles. The mystery of the gospel was that uh, Christ in us, the hope of glory, that both Jew and Gentile could receive the blood of the Lamb, could be washed in the blood. Salvation was offered to both Jew and Gentile. The Jews rejected it. He offered it to the Gentiles. And he says, the goodness toward God, which leadeth thee to repentance. Look at this. If thou continue in his goodness, God knows we're going to sin. He knows that. He knows the Jew is going to sin, and he knows the church is going to sin. He knows the Gentile is going to sin. And he made provision for that. He dealt with the sin question through Jesus Christ. That is done. God doesn't say here, notice, the goodness of God only if you continue in his goodness. If you do not continue in his goodness, otherwise you're also going to be cut off. He doesn't say, if you continue to sin, you're going to be cut off. That's been dealt with. He says, if you continue in his goodness, what is his goodness? The goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. If you will continue to repent, if you will continue to apply the blood of Jesus, if you will continue to acknowledge that the sin question has been dealt with once and for all by repenting, you won't be cut off. He's not saying, because of your sin, I'm going to cut you off. He says, no. If you forget to repent, if you quit repenting, that's when you're in trouble because the sin's been dealt with. All you have to do is repent. You don't get cut off for sinning. No, you get cut off, he says, for failing to repent. We'll be back next week. Love you in Jesus' name. Thank you for joining us for End Time Insights with Ron Geyer. Listen again next Sunday night at 8 on 100.7 The Word, where faith comes by hearing. You can also listen to the podcast of this program by going to kkht.com. If you would like to contact Ron, email him at gospelguy at comcast.net. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.